0: Hello and welcome to Global One Media Stocks to Watch. These are exclusive interviews with senior leaders of public companies. I'm your host, Michelle Martin. Today, we explore an early stage project in a sector which is so important for sustainable agriculture and the future of food. Today, I'm joined by Farhad Abbasov, chairman and director of Millennial Potash Corp., which trades on Canada's TSX Venture Exchange under the ticker MLP in the US over the counter as MLPNF and in Frankfurt as X0D. Millennial Potash Corp, the exploration company is known for their Banyo Potash project in Gabon, their flagship project. So what is the potential of Potash assets in the context of the global economy and current geopolitical tensions? Let's find out. Welcome, Farhad Abasov.
1: Hi, Michelle, good to be here.
0: Fantastic to chat with you today. Let's start with an understanding which is at the core of your business. Not many investors might know the need for potash. Why is it so important, particularly for a rapidly growing world?
1: Well, potash is used mostly in fertilizer, Michelle. Uh, Almost, I think, 95% of the world's supply of potash goes into fertilizer use. And it is becoming critical fertilizer. Uh, for a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons is that it is highly geographically concentrated. So almost 35 percent of potash comes from only two countries, Russia and Belarus. And since the war broke out in Ukraine, both of those countries have come under severe sanctions from various countries, including their potash sectors. So it is important to have new sources of potash, preferably in neutral and more investor-friendly jurisdictions. Hence. Our potash project in Gabon is becoming more important uh, for world supply of potash and, of course, for food security as well.
0: Yeah, I want to pick up on that point of food security and supply chains. If we look at the potash market today, help us understand where the biggest suppliers are vis-a-vis where the largest pool of customers are.
1: Well, it's a very interesting situation, Michelle, that it is, as I said, it's highly geographically concentrated. Now, I said already that Belarus and Russia supply thirty five percent world's potash. Now, if you add Canada, that goes up to like seventy percent. So between three countries, or among three countries, I should say, you know seventy, seventy five percent world supply depends on 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 Canada, specifically the province of Saskatchewan and the Russian and Belarus. Um and then, of course, there's uh, smaller production centers in in Germany. In the Middle East and West China, Western China, China, and so forth, but the rest of the world buys and consumes potash. So when you look at the demand side, it has been very robust over many years and it's been growing leaps and bounds, primarily because of, of course, the growth of population, but also because of the soil depletion almost everywhere. Now, in terms of large importers of potash, Brazil is the largest one, about 12 million tons of potash per year, followed by the US and China, about 10 million tons each and then India between four and five million tons a year. And again, uh, you know, almost all countries uh, consume potash as well. Now we're in a unique position because once we're in production, because we're in West Africa, uh, we will be the nearest supplier of potash to, uh, to Brazil, which is obviously, as I said, the largest importer of potash, but also will be nearest supplier to Africa proper. You know, the, the continent uh, imports and almost about 2 million tons of potash a year, and there's no domestic production there. So it is really critical um, to to be in a position to supply potash to both South America and and Africa.
0: You mentioned the proximity factor. What other factors would sustain growth in the market as you see it?
1: Well, the main factor is, of course, the population growth. Um, Last year, we hit 8 billion people, and obviously that's gonna continue growing. And as I mentioned, soil depletion, in other words, even those agricultural lands uh that use a certain amount of potash before now they require more um and another thing is of course uh is you know you, you mentioned that earlier the, the supply chain disruptions so think about this a lot of traders a lot of users as well have been buying potash again from three countries as I mentioned three jurisdictions and now two of them significant producers are have come under sanctions and that creates a lot of headache for a lot of again both traders and uh, direct users so there will be structural changes, um, but I think, you know, on the demand side, you know, it, it, it will stay very, very strong. So that's exactly why we got involved with potash, because when we get involved with the project as a group, we, we actually look at the supply-demand dynamics of that particular commodity for the next three to five years. So just, the, you know, addressing again your question uh, directly, you know, we're looking at about 70 to 74 million tons of potash Um, um, demand per year today. And is expected to reach about 90 million tons of potash by 2030.
0: It's a really robust demand. Take us to one of your projects. In fact, your flagship, the Baneo Potash Project. How does this position your company as a key supplier for the future? And do you have anything to share with investors listening in on its potential capacity?
1: Absolutely, Michelle. Look, I mean, every time... We'll look at the project we'll look at all the aspects because you cannot just choose a project based let's say on the strength of the geological deposit because there's so many other factors that come into play and that all should translate into if i put it like in in one word or one phrase it's you know low cost structure uh because they're big operators as i already mentioned big producers out of canada out of russia and belarus with very low cost production centers and we need to be able to compete with them so there are quite a few projects out there, potash projects, but they are hampered and strained in one way or another. Either it's not world class size project, or they cannot really achieve lower operating costs or their to too, and so forth. This project is unique in many aspects. One is, you know, this has been drilled in the past, so we know exactly what is in the ground. All we need to do is basically to confirm it, but also expand it. So we think this is going to be a very large project um in terms of the size of the deposit the second thing is again based on the uh, historic drilling but also our recent drilling um deposit is very thick so we're talking up to 100 meter thickness in the south of the project about 30 40 meter thickness in the north so we're talking about significantly thick uh, deposit probably one of the thickest deposits in the world frankly um now this as far as the deposit is concerned the second thing is of course um you know the availability of water because we'll be using what we call solution mining now solution mining is a well-known methodology whereas you uh, pump a saline solution or saline water into your ore body you dissolve potash and you pump it back up to the surface with processing we're well familiar with this because our previous two potash projects potash one and Alana potash were amenable to solution mining as well and again the, the methodology is pretty well proven um now for that, we also need access to water, and we're right on the coast, we can use seawater. So the availability of seawater, as well as thickness of uh, potash deposits, will bring together uh, within you know, the, the, the lower cost of production as well as, of course, capital requirements. And we're also in a good jurisdiction, despite recent um, you know short-lived uh, turbulence in Gabon, it's still the quietest, it's still the most stable country in Africa. Um, it is a very wealthy country, and they're very keen on developing their mining industry because it's historically been an oil and gas country. So they really want to diversify away, uh, and the mining industry is one of the, their top priorities.
0: You mentioned short-term turbulence. Let's talk about your Banyo Potesh project. We've recently, in Gabon, seen a new prime minister. uh, A new two-year transition has been promised before free elections by Gabon's new military rulers. What do these recent political developments mean for your project? Do they influence your operations? Uh, Michelle, they
1: haven't had any impact in terms of actual operations. Of course, it had what we call uh, marketing impact or perception impact because uh, we're trading in the stock market. So the, the stock, unfortunately, got hit uh, with all the with all the news coming from Gabon. But in terms of its impact on the ground, it's been, frankly, non-existent. And I'll give you a specific example. Um, during the elections, again, we're talking the, this in the last two or three weeks, um, during the elections, uh, we continued operating on our project and then even when the coup was announced and they introduced uh, and an imposed a curfew uh for a couple of weeks again throughout all of those events we continued operations uh but i should also mention that it wasn't just us who continued operating um all other companies uh, oil and gas companies mining operations uh, all and there are some large international operations there on the on the oil and gas side we got total shell many other companies operating on the mining side Aramet. Uh, which suspended their activities for only a day and then they immediately resumed their operations they produce manganese in gabon uh, there's also um, Barrick gold uh, they have exploration project for gold there uh, there's fortescue with iron ore projects so all of these companies continued their operations without any interruption or any disruption there has been no unrest in the country the streets were quiet in fact all our senior management um, including our ceo um was actually in the country during the coup so my first reaction was of course to worry about them when I called them they were they were surprised that I was all worked up so um, so it was very quiet there Uh, but of course it will have um you know impact on how uh, the outside world perceives the country especially the risk profile of the country um I think after two weeks after the new government has shown that they're really um you know uh, i would say uh, friend uh, investor friendly and they're going to continue uh with the uh, in general with the same investment policies uh, you know in, investor friendly policies of the previous government uh things have quieted down uh and the most importantly, the, the new government sent the right signal that you know all the international agreements contracts all the operations all the licenses and and permits um are going to be respected and you know the business as usual will will go on Um, And as you mentioned, yes, they've already put together a transitional government. They brought in actually a very well-respected former leader of the opposition who is an economist himself. So I think these are all right uh, messages and signals coming from the new government to all the operators in the country. And one other important thing, shall I want to say that since these uh, changes have happened, we've had actually new interest from some domestic investors in Gabon. And uh, that is something new. And I think that's, again, that's another uh, kind of an indication of uh, things to come. So in other words, they want to divert quite a bit of investments domestically as well.
0: Fantastic to hear about business continuity in Gabon. Help investors who are watching and listening understand why they should consider investing in Millennial Potash as an exposure play to Potash.
1: So look, Michelle, uh, I'll tell a little bit about our background so that uh, your listeners understand. So. Our group has been together for almost 15 years, and we build um, uh, projects, develop them, and then eventually sell and exit through MA and a transactions. Um, most recently, we did that with a lithium company, also called Millennial Lithium. We took it from about $40 million company to 490 million and sold it last year to a company called Lithium Americas. Before that, we had successful exits with two potash companies, Alana Potash, sold in uh, 2015, 470 million, And then Potash one sold in 2013 for $434 million. So the plan is to do the same here. And this project is at the same level of development as Millennial Lithium, for example, was in 2017, a very early stage. We just started drilling. Um, So the upside potential is tremendous here because the company is tiny at this point. And we we, we just finished the first drill hole. The plan is to finish the first stage of drilling uh, by November. And then put out what we call maintenance resource estimate on the northern part of the project, which we believe is going to be large already. And then we will do a preliminary economic assessment based on that estimate. And meanwhile, we'll move our drill rig down to the south and drill the southern part, which is actually, we think, thicker and richer um, in terms of potash deposit, of course. Um, And then the PEA should be done by the first quarter of next year, and we'll finish the expanded. Drilling or expanded uh, uh, resource estimate by the same time as well, so we think in the next two or three months we're going to have very robust very positive news coming out of the company. And this is probably the right time to be in it. and, of course, from there on we'll look at our options and of course, we'll start with a feasibility study next year we will do environmental. Um, and we think this is going to be a world class project in terms of the size of the project it's cost structure and its location, and I think this is I mean. Whether we're going to sell this company in the next couple of years or we're going to build this ourselves, but this is going to be the next new producer of Potash in the next two or three
0: years. Fantastic to hear about the experience of the leadership team as well. We've been looking at Millennial Potash Corp and its exploration activities at its Banyo Potash project in Gabon and its potential to be a key player in the global Potash market. I'm Michelle Martin speaking today with Farhad Abbasov, Chairman and Director of Millennial Potash Corp. Thank you, Farhad.
1: Thanks so much, Michelle.